Hey everyone, welcome to the Hug Church Podcast. You're listening to episode number five. My name is Eunice Park and my husband Eddie and I started Hug Church with a vision to create a safe community for people to rest, learn, and grow. We are located in the heart of downtown Fullerton and want to welcome all you locals to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. We always have an amazing time of worship, getting to know each other, learning from our lead pastor, Eddie, and always, always provide lunch. So please join us and stick around. So on this podcast, you'll hear the audio version of our weekly sermons, and the current series we're in is titled Vision. If you're ready, let's dive on in. All right. Good morning, everybody. I don't know if this is the first movie I watched in the theater, but it is definitely the first movie I remember because it was so vivid. I remember this moment. And the, and the first memory that I have of watching a movie in the big theater on the big screen is when I was seven years old, and that movie was The Lion King. Okay. <laughs> Any, any other Lion King people? Yeah, I'm Lion King fans, okay? Yeah, and you know what? I remember, like, the most, like, like pivotal, most cathartic moment was when Simba runs through the desert. You remember that? I just remember that, watching that on the big screen. I think I watched it IMAX, okay? I, don't, it, I was so small, it just seemed probably IMAX to me, okay? But it was like, you remember that scene? It was Oh, you're like, wow, right? Okay, I don't know, just me, okay. So, in, 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 in celebration of the first movie I ever watched in the big theater, we're going to play my favorite game, which is Name That Quote. Okay, move that, name that quote, all right? Name that quote or name whatever. Name, name. We do this sometimes, you know, we do a little game show here because church can be fun, but we're going to play Lion King-themed Name That Quote, okay? But here's the, here's the rules. A lot of times I switch it up. Sometimes I will normally read the quote first, and then you have to guess who said it or what movie it's from. And sometimes I do it in the uh, voice of Barack Obama or Kermit the Frog, whoever you like to think it sounds like, okay? But this time, our twist is I'm going to show the clip of the movie, and you have to guess what the quote is, all right? A little different, all right? And I'm hoping that the gifts work, okay? So this is the first gift. Can you just click it? Oh, yeah. Let, no, 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 no. No. All right. She's, she's, she's new at this, okay? She's new at this, okay? Even, even Zed, the first time he DJed, it was probably bad, okay? So, so, okay. Let's not risk the gift at this point, okay? Everybody knows what that is, okay? Now, what is the quote? Remember who you are, right? Darth Vader, okay? And that's the quote, and it's said by Mufasa. Okay, let's, let's be careful, all right? Okay, all right. Just pretend, just click it once. Let's see what happens. Just once. Okay, just leave it. Don't touch it, okay? All right. Name that quote. Hakuna Matata. When I was a young warthog, maybe. Anybody? Okay, no, no. No one knows? Okay, you can click it once. Here we go. It's times like this, my buddy Timon here says, you got to put your behind in your past. 
Do you guys remember that quote at all? No, but it's very profound. Okay? Right? He tells a story about how he was um, isolated or pariahed by his friends because his butt is so stinky. Right? And he says, in a nice pun way, you got to put your behind in your past. Okay? All right. One more. Okay? Very carefully. Click the GIF. Oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Do you guys remember this scene? What? Name that quote. What would you do that for? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. So this quote, oh, yes. This is Rafiki, by the way. Oh, yes. The past can hurt. But from the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Okay? Very, very profound. And Simba, he just sees his father say, remember who you are, right? And he's like, oh, no, I have to go back. But he's talking to Rafiki saying, But that means I have to face my past. And then when he says that, Rafiki goes, hits him on the head. And he's like, hey, that hurt. What do you do that for? He's like, oh, yes, the past can hurt. But you can either, the way I say it, you can either run from it or learn from it. And do you remember what Rafiki does right after? He swings his club again. And do you know what Simba does? He ducks. He learned, okay? He learned from the past because of what? Because of pain, okay? So all this to say, not, this, we're not just talking about Lion King because it's one of the greatest movies ever and it, it, it restores my childhood and my hope in humanity and whatnot. But I, I bring it up because the past couple of weeks we've been talking about the past. We've been, and we've been talking about vision and how when, when I listen and hear some of you, it seems like the greatest obstacle towards a lot of our visions and our dreams and our callings is our past. We're, we're running away from our past. For some of us, it's a mistake. For some of us, it's something that happened to us. And we've been talking about, uh, we, we, we've dealt with this question, how do we overcome my past, right? And, and the way that we kind of dealt with it is, it's the difference between people who um, have PTSD and not, okay? The difference between people do ha- that view their past as trauma and not, because guess what? All of us experience pain. Am I correct? All of us have experienced hurt. All of us have experienced something that has happened that is, right? But the difference between people who allow their past to affect their present and future and people that don't is some sort of PTSD because their interpretation says this happened, right? And they're indifferent to it. They're like, whatever, it just happened, okay? They're neutral to it. Now, for people that their past is their obstacle, they interpret what happened into something into a story that says, I am. Because that happened, I am. Or that happened because I am. Something about their identity changed. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I am not pretty enough. I am not thin enough. I am not smart enough. That becomes our identity. 
identity. And so whenever something that happens that even is remotely close to our past, we go into this identity crisis and remember that, oh, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't enter that relationship. I can't come to church. I can't serve. I can't lead because something inside of you remembers I am. Whatever, right? So we talked about how Paul, how do we overcome our past? We, we, he claims, someone who had the worst past, he says, I am not my past, right? And he says this, I am, or he says this in Philippians 3, no, dear brothers, sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking towards the future or looking forward to what lies ahead. And we talked about forgetting the past, but today we're going to focus on, you can click that, we're going to focus on the forward-looking part, okay? And he says this by, I am, I am not my past, but I am a new creation, okay? He has this idea that when you are in Christ, you are new. His I ams of the past became I was. Does that make sense? So, but people are asking me now, okay, this is amazing, this is great, but how do I become a new creation? How do we become our new creation? And you know what? That's the question I'm in as well. And I'm journeying along with you, okay? And so as I teach this today, um, hopefully we'll, di- we'll discover together, okay? So how do we become our new creation? Well, here's the thing. When we think about, when we think about our vision, our new reality that we want to create, who we want to become, most of us particularly think about what we will have when we get there. Does that make sense? We don't so much focus on who we are, but we focus on what we will have. For instance, how many of you guys, your vision or your goal or your dream is to be debt-free or to get rid of your debt, right? That's a very, very common, very, very good goal and vision to have. But you are, when, you think about, when you think about your vision of being debt-free, mostly you think about what you will have once you get it, Right? You will have what? Freedom, right? You will have less stress. You will have less anxiety. You will get to save towards your whatever, right? You get to save towards your house, save towards your marriage. If you're a man trying to, you know, put a ring on it, you get to save towards your ring, right? You get, you think and you're constantly thinking about what you will have, okay? Say, for instance, it might not be debt-free, but maybe your vision is to be married one day or even have children, okay? Again, that is a great vision, a great goal, great calling to have in your life. But again, a lot of us, the way that we are brought up and the way that we think about is we think about what we will have once we get it. When I get a boyfriend, when I get a wife, when I get a child, I will have joy. I will have companionship. I will have whatever, right? I will have these things. You think about what you will have once you will get there. That, and that's very, very American, by the way, okay? Because there's so much television and you are constantly, constantly being told what you do not have, okay? So again, we're, we're focused on what we will have. And even when it comes to faith and God, a lot of people look at people who have God, who love God, and you can't help but see what they have, right? Oh, they seem like they have 
peace. They seem like they have true joy. They seem like they have fulfillment. They seem like they have purpose and, and significance. You think about what you will have if your vision is a faith-driven given, uh, uh, vision, okay? And it's, it's totally normal and natural to think this way. So when we think about this question, when we think about this question, how do we become our new creation? Naturally, humans will think about first, what will I get? What will I have? Okay? And this becomes the process. First, I'm going to identify what I have. Okay? Like, but then you think about what I don't have, right? So I need to have, if you're debt free, you need to have money, okay, to pay that debt, correct? Right? And then you think about what you will do once you have that debt cleared. I get to do what I want, right? And then once I do what I want, I get to be happy, okay? Get to become happy, okay? Here's the thing. When our focus is on what we have, we become consumed with about having. And guess what? We don't have a lot, okay? And sometimes having is out of our control, right? And so this is what, this is, this is what, this process or this approach, which we are all accustomed to and is very, very human, this becomes this becomes a very victim mentality, okay? I talk about that word victim a lot, and it's abstract. This is one of the concrete ways a victim approaches their life, all right? They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for someone to save them. They're waiting to get that one thing. Oh, if I just get that one interview, if I just get that job, if I just get that bonus, if I just get that husband, then I will have what I need so I can do, and then when I do, I will be Does that make sense? Very, very normal, very, very human. This is how we process. And someone in the Bible that I think about really represents this process is a character named Sarah, okay? Sarah, if you remember, I talk about her. Do you guys know who Sarah is? Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Very good, Bible nerd, all right? Abraham, okay? And and Sarah, she thinks that if she has one thing, her life will be good, what is that one thing? A child, okay? A baby boy or a son specifically. I'm sorry, ladies, but she wanted a boy for, for Jewish reasons, okay? Patriarchal reasons, okay? She wanted a boy because, and, and, and to get that boy, okay, to get that boy, you know what she did? She actually got her husband to sleep with their maid, okay? She did anything and everything to get that boy, Okay? Right? And then she thought as as long as she did this, she will be her idol is security. Okay? Because her husband is constantly trying to like sell her away to these kings as like not being his sister. Okay. So she's like, oh my gosh, this guy keeps on getting rid of me. Okay. I am nothing without him. So I need to give him a child, an heir. Okay. So that is the story of Sarah. Very, very victim, very uh dependent on external things for her life and her calling and her vision, okay? That's one example. And a lot of us probably operate, probably 95% of us operate in this way. But there's another way. There's another approach, okay? And that approach is 
for the doers. Okay, if you're like my wife, who is a doer, who is executed, execution-oriented, that loves to do, okay, you might not be a have-first approach or have-focused approach, but you are focused on the doing, right? In order to have your vision, your first question is, what do I need to do, right, okay? Anybody a doer? Do kind of first approach? Okay, yeah, we're all mostly feelers in this room, right? That's why you come to a church called Hug, right? So do first, people, okay? And this approach to become your vision, okay? Now, this is a very, this is a good second choice, good natural option if you're not a have first person, right? You got to, you thinking about what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Because if I do that, then I'll have this and then I'll be this, right? Just a flip-flop. Okay, And the person in the Bible that I would say that really represents this mentality or this mindset is the rich, young ruler. Okay, R-Y-R, as us seminarians for short call it. No, no one calls it that. I just totally made that up. Okay, Rich, young ruler. Okay, Rich, young ruler is a do-first person. You know why? Because he goes to Jesus, right? He already has everything. And what does he ask Jesus? Hey, Jesus. What do I need to do to gain, to have eternal life? Because he has everything. The only thing he doesn't have is eternal life. He's not secure of that, right? So he says, what do I need to do, right? And so Jesus says, do all the commandments. He's, and he's like super arrogant and says, come on, Jesus. I've done all those things, right? Come on, give me, you know, you can level with me. What do I got to do? You know, what, what's, the na- what's the last thing I got to do, Right? And so Jesus says this. Do you remember what he says to the rich young ruler? He says, go and sell all of your possessions and give it all to the poor. Whoa, okay? Now, I have known a lot of uh, preachers that abuse that text and say that the only way to follow Jesus is to sell all of your possessions and give to the poor. Now, some of us, are any of us children of Korean missionaries? This might be a little PTSD in this, in this room. No one? Okay, great. Well, some of us have friends that are byproducts of parents that have thought that way, that the only way to get eternal life is to do that, to give away everything they have, give it to the poor, right? But here's the thing, and, and, he, and Jesus says this thing, oh, how hard is it for the rich to enter heaven, right, or the kingdom of heaven? This is the problem. There's going to be rich people in heaven, okay? I think there's pretty good rich people that haven't sold everything that they own and given to the poor that are going to be in heaven. Do you think so? Do you think all of them are just not going to be there? Like, even the good Christians that give to the church that keep a little bit to themselves, like, I I think they're going to be there. Do you think so? Right. So there's a problem to think that, all rich people, if they don't give to the poor and sell all their possessions, they're not going to make it. And you're just like, wow, I never want to be rich, right? That happens. That becomes, a just, that becomes the logic, right? So, but what, what Jesus is, and this is, again, I want to caveat this. This is my interpretation, okay? You can totally hold what I just made fun of, okay? That's totally fine. It's totally not, not wrong, okay? But, what Jesus is saying, it is this process that he's criticizing. Oh, you think that you need to do 
to get into heaven, into have, uh, to get into the kingdom of heaven, to have eternal life. You think it's a doing. Oh, okay. So let me tell you, if you think that, then this is what it takes to get into heaven. This is what it takes to have eternal life then. If you think the game is played that way, by doing so you can have. That is what he's, it's almost, uh, he's like joking, okay? It's almost hyperbolic sarcasm, okay? That is what Jesus is uh, referring to, okay? Like, because how, how ridiculous is it to literally sell everything? I mean, I'm not taking away from people that actually did that in their life to become missionaries. Like, that is amazing, right? But again, it's the mentality. It's the process that Jesus is criticizing, all right? So do right? Give away your money, okay? Then you will have eternal life, right? Then you will be whatever, peaceful, right? Again, this is another approach that we see, but again, he's not the guy to imitate, okay? Rich young ruler is not the person to be like, yeah, let's all be like R-Y-R, right? He's, he's great. No, he's definitely not that example. Same with Sarah. She's not a good example to follow, okay? Well, who... Then, Eddie, who is a good example? Well, I, I mean, other than Jesus, let me, let me tell you, okay? <laughs> All right? That, that answer is easy, but it's also really hard, okay? So let's, uh, let's pick someone who wasn't half God and deity, okay, <laughs> that we can actually uh, maybe get close to or achieve, right? So I love Paul, okay? I love Paul. And his approach is radically different from all the others. His approach is a, not a become, but it focuses on the being, okay? He focuses on being, okay? Not a become, but a be first, be mentality, okay? Because he says, if you are this, then this type of person will do this and will have all the treasures and inheritance of someone who is this. Does that make sense? Okay, so Paul, okay, and, and the way that I can really justify this is if you've ever read the book of Ephesians. Do you know the book of Ephesians? Okay? It's a good book. You should read it. Okay? I think Paul wrote it. Okay? Some people don't think he wrote it, just letting you know. But I think Paul wrote it, and the structure of it is very fascinating. It's a very, like, Paul has a, has a style. You know when, like, rappers have certain styles, like, you know, like, like, they, they, they do this, and then they have the hook, and then they go back, and they do the hook. Or like a Hillsong song, right? They do, like, they do the verse and then the chorus, but it doesn't really sound like a chorus. But the bridge is really the chorus, and you do the bridge, like, four times. Like, that's, everyone has a structure, and it's a pattern. Like, Eddie Park, he always says a joke for four minutes, and then he has a question, and then he goes into the Bible, and he closes with this dramatic story that makes me cry. You know, like, everybody has a pattern and a structure, right? So this is Paul's structure. Paul has a structure, and we see it most vividly in the book of Ephesians, okay? And Ephesians is this. If you look at it, the first three chapters is all about being. He starts out with saying, you are chosen. You are loved. You are sons and daughters. You are adopted. You are a citizen, right? He says, he's, he, that's like his opening lines, that's opening hooks, okay? He's saying this is who you are, okay? And then after he's established 
and letting them know who they are in Christ, their identity. They are a new creation. They are alive. Then he says, this is what you do as these people. All right? He always starts off with, this is who you are. And people who are this do this because not we're trying to get something, but because people who are this do these things. Does that make sense? Radically different mentality when it comes to vision and approach towards life. It is a be first mentality. It's very, very, I mean, refreshing and profound, okay? So you don't, you don't start off with, you know, like, uh, he doesn't start with, hey, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. No, he always backs up the doing and the practices and the commands with, hey, it's because this is who you are. This is who you are called to be, right? So I want to, uh, the, thing, the thing that really summarizes it, okay, this is great. This is like the, the Wikipedia of, of, of Bible teaching here, okay? I'm going to summarize the book of Ephesians for you in like 15 seconds, okay? There's one command that summarizes Ephesians, I would say, personally, all right? And it comes from Ephesians 4, all right? Ephesians 4.1. And this is the one command that, that Paul stresses the most. And his, and his command is this, imitate God. If there's nothing you remember or listen to, but remember this one thing. Paul says, Ephesians, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, if there's anything you remember, just imitate God. Be like God. Because you are his dear children. Because you are his children. And guess what? Children tend to naturally imitate God. They're parents. Because you are a child of God, imitate God. Don't imitate God so that you can be a child. Do you know how, see how the logic doesn't work that way? He is saying, imitate God because you are his children. It is a be first mentality. Be focused approach towards life. All right? And he says this, okay? Uh, so how, kind of getting to, how do we become? How do we become? Okay. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Okay. Again, I really stress here how that the battle to be won is your mind. It is in your mind. We need to constantly renew your mind and transform your mind in this place. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, okay? Now, we're going to pause right there because to put on the new self is the key passage, the key phrase on how to become this new creation, okay? And I'm going you know, to give, give the answer to how do we, how do we become an, our new creation. And I'm going to briefly tell an example, okay? How do we become by, we become by being our new creation. All right? Wait, what, Eddie, does that make, what? No, listen to it again. We become by being our new creation. 
Because when we think of it as something to become, we have this mentality of, well, I need to have this so that I can do, then I will become. Or if you're a doer, what do I need to do to become that? Okay, you focus on the doing, and then you have, then you will become. But Paul's, Paul's uh, counsel or advice is being. You become by being first, being who you are, choosing to put on the new self, all right? And I'll, I'll give you an example, okay? So um, recently, all right, a lot of the, uh, everyone and their mom is watching this show called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. All right, anybody watching this show? All right, anybody has a, show, uh, has a friend that is annoying about this show? Okay. So the whole, if, if, if you're not on the internet, then let me inform you that the whole world is tidying up their life. Okay. And I think it's amazing. I, I think it's great, actually. And so one of the things that's happened is I've, I've started purging everything, okay? I've started purging, like, I mean, I, I, and, and, and when I started purging and having all these bags of junk and clothes particularly, my wife is shocked. My, if you follow my wife on Instagram, she's just like, she keeps saying, who is this? I do not know him. Okay, which is true. You know why? Because for 31, 32, oh, 32 now, 32 years of my life, I have been a hoarder. I've told myself I am a hoarder, okay? And you know why? Because my mom's a hoarder, okay? I imitate my children or my parents, okay? I am a hoarder. And I'm also very emotional. I'm very sentimental. So I'm the type of person that keeps every free T-shirt that I've ever got ever, okay? Because I'm like, oh, I remember, like, you know, like, Jake took me to that concert, and he bought me that T-shirt. Like, I can't get rid of it, you know? And you know those type of people, right? I'm that type of person, okay? Eunice is like, this ugly thing, you want to keep this? Like, you never wear it. I don't think I've ever seen one. No, but it's a gift. It's like, it reminds me of my past. It's amazing, right? And, and, and so she thinks it's amazing that I have, like, gotten rid of things, Okay? And I'll tell you, it is incredibly hard, all right? But you know how, I mean, I think this week I got rid of like over 50 articles of clothing, okay? And I'm actually whittled down to about 18 articles of clothing, including shoes, okay? Because I really just wear a black t-shirt and black jeans now. It's my, my modern reverend kind of like fashion, okay? But here's the thing. It is amazing, and, you, and I'm, I'm impressed with myself that I do it because I'm such a hoarder and I'm so emotionally attached to everything, okay? But here's the thing. You know how I did it? Vision. Vision. You know what my vision is? It's not what you think. My vision is I do not want my son to be like me. I do not want my son to be like me because I honestly see the pain I put my wife through by being such a hoarder, okay? And I but again, I, I don't want my son to be attached to things and need to have stuff and hoard and collect junk. It's just, I look at it, I'm like, why am I like this, right? So I have vision, my son. Here's the thing. You know how parents 
always tell you, right, to do something, and you're like, you don't do that, right? And what's their response? Their response normally, right, their parents say, do as I say, not as I do. But the irony of that statement is, the truth is, children do as you do, right? They don't do you as you say, they do as you do. When you're their, ch- when you're their children, you imitate them. It is, I'm so sorry, all right? So I realized this. This is like, I was like journaling this, praying to God, how is my son not going to be a hoarder like me? Oh, Jesus, please, right? I had to become a new creation because I realized my son Haddon is not going to, my daughter, she's going to be like my wife, okay? It's like, it's, not, it's fine. She's, she has hope for her, right? But my son, I was like, oh, he's going to do as I do. That, that means I need to do. I need to do, okay? I need to do. That means I need to do, and I, if I need to do, I need to be different. And that is how I radically change. Instead of, and, 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 and it's silly, right? But getting rid of clothes is a great way to process this all for me because there's clothes that I get rid of. It's my past. It's like, oh, I don't want to get rid of that because it's like comfort, attachment, right? But like the verse says, we, we take off something old, right? And we what? We put on something new right? And so the thing that I had to take off is my story. I am. My story that I wake up every day with, I am a hoarder. I am messy. I am disorganized. So when I say I am messy, am I being messy right now? No, the truth is what? I was messy. I'm not messy right now. So why am I saying I am messy? I was messy. That's in the past, right? So the jacket I put on, literally, it's like I put on a new jacket every day and say, I am minimal, (laughs) okay? I am clean. I am simple. I am organized. That is the jacket I put. And guess what? I put on this jacket. It's like, it's too tight. I, it's, I don't like it. It's not comfortable, right? I complain. Uh, but you know what? I just keep putting it on. I keep putting it on. And it's a choice every day. And guess what? It's hard because I want to go back to comfort. I want to put on my... But this jacket looks so cool when I was in high school. And so, man, I was so dope back then. Right? You want to put on that jacket, right? But it's an active choice every day. Like, oh, no, I got to take this one off. And I got to put this one on. I am clean. I am responsible. (laughs) I am organized. Right? It is a daily choice. And 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 I hope, okay, and this is a silly exercise, but... I would like, if you can, this week, right? All right? Three things to take off old, past, 
and to put new. That is an exercise I would like to do for all of us, okay? When you, when you go home, but you know what? Let's, let's, let's change someone's life right now, okay? Who wants their life to be changed in like 30 seconds? You, Noah. All right, you ready? I'll, all right, your life's about to be changed. Yeah, you're, you regret holding your hand, all right? Noah, what is your vision? Yeah. Yeah, what's your vision, man? To have a family. Great. What do you need to take off to have a family? Who do you need to be? Who do you need to be to have a family? Confident, okay? I am confident. That's, that's the jacket you need to... Confident, okay? That's the jacket. That's the affirmation. That's the new creation, the new identity that you need to put on every day, okay? But here's the thing. Like I learned from Mary Kondo and minimalism, you can, when you get something new, you got to say goodbye to the old, right? Because then you hoard, right? If you just keep adding new things, you're a hoarder, all right? You clutter. So when you put on this jacket of confidence, what do you need to take off? Your, your statement about your past, the story that you need to take off about yourself. Okay, what's, a, what's an I am? I am. I am scared. Okay, good. So daily, for your vision to happen, to have a family, you need to, this is a daily exercise for you. I, you need to take off I am scared and put on the new self, I am confident. And if you have Christ, this is all possible, by the way, okay? What's another one? Let's do one more. What's, yeah, I'm going to change your life, man. Your, your life's about to get changed today. <laughs> fine, that's fine. You're, you sound really scared, though. <laughs> All right, not willing to take off this jacket. You got another one? Or you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to, you're, you're not this right now. <laughs> Come on, put on the jacket. Peaceful, okay? I am peaceful, okay? All right. I'm guessing you either came from a household that is chaotic or someone modeled for you that a healthy family is very peaceful. I'm not going to say which one you had, okay? (laughs) So if you're going to put on I am peaceful, what are you going to take off that's old? Chaotic. All right? And I bet you this one, just the way that you said it, ooh, it's like, it's like comfort, right? It's like, oh, like I'm dangerous. I'm chaotic. I feel good, right? Your ego is going gonna to have a hard time letting that one go, all right? But your vision, I don't know what if you grew up with a father who is chaotic, is not a healthy household. 
You have to put it off for your vision. You have to become first. You become peaceful. You are peaceful. You wake up every day and I choose. I am peaceful. And when you do things, you're going to have this, I promise you, you're going to be making these, these like coffees, right? Because like, you're barista, right? And it's going to be chaotic, right? And you're just like, you're going to be like, I am peaceful, <laughs> right? Like, okay, I, since I am peaceful, what does a peaceful person do? Do they yell? Do they get passive-aggressive? Do they get s- s- a snappy? Do they get defensive? No. That's what a chaotic person does. But a peaceful person just even kill, right? It helps ground you when you put that jacket on. And guess what? It's going to be hard, but it's until it becomes a habit. Until it becomes a habit, you putting on that jacket, it's going to be hard. But the, the, the exercise is constantly putting on the new self. You need to be someone in order to achieve your vision. Make sense? All right. I'm not going to stress you with the third one, okay? But all right. Again, silly exercise, but can be very, very powerful. And I hope that you do that at home to this week. So let's pray together. Thanks for listening, and we want to invite you to stay connected with us. Find us on Instagram at HugChurch or at HugChurch.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this, won't you hit that lovely subscribe button and leave us a comment? We would absolutely love to connect. Until next week, a huge hug from Eddie and myself.